At that time, my mother also was very scared for my life. So how many days were you on the boat? It was around 10 days. Yeah, it was a really long trip. You feel like really sad when you want to tell people to accept you. I really feel like I miss my family, I miss my mother, like I didn't see my brother for 10 years, my mother for seven years. You feel like only lonely here in this country. Hello everyone, welcome to the Healing Chronicles podcast. I am your host Sadia Khan. I am very excited to bring you today's interview and here's why. A few days ago, I was in Berlin, Germany on a personal trip and I decided to interview someone local for my show. The goal was to draw parallels between immigration in Germany versus the US. I am fascinated by immigration process in Germany and how open Germany has been in terms of taking refugees. And I wanted to get a better understanding of the immigration process in that country, a country that is home to almost a million refugees and has recently experienced a backlash against its more welcoming stance on immigration. So a friend of a friend introduced me to Thayer Orfahili. Thayer grew up in Syria in a middle-class family. His childhood was relatively normal and he is the youngest of eight siblings. He was studying law in Lebanon when the Syrian war broke out. What ensued was a series of fateful events which led Tahir to leave everything behind, risk his life by riding a flimsy boat across the Mediterranean to get to Germany and seek asylum. He's not an immigrant but a refugee who got political asylum in Germany. We met in a cafe for our interview and I would admit that the sound quality is not stellar due to bad acoustics. But I promise you this, his story is one of the best stories I have featured on my show. And I usually don't say this in my intro, but I urge all my listeners to listen to his story and share it wildly. Here's Tahir's story. Welcome, Tahir, to my show. I'm so excited to have you here, and thank you for coming and meeting with me on such short notice. Yeah, thank you, Sadia, very much for having me here and uh, to do this uh, podcast. So, Tahir, you grew up in Syria in a middle-class family. Your childhood was fairly normal, and you were studying law in Lebanon. Um, yeah. And the war broke out around that time. Right? Yes. Yeah. So what led you to leave everything behind, risk your life by riding a flimsy boat across the Mediterranean to get to Germany and then seek asylum? Yeah, first I went to Lebanon to study law. Uh, many students moved from Syria to another country because the law in Lebanon and Syria is the same. Oh, so you can practice law, if you study in Lebanon, you can practice law in Syria as yeah, well? Yeah, it's similar. Hmm. It's not that different between the parts of country. Yeah, and in Syria, I didn't get the degree for law because many students get the same degree. And the university has a lot of students, and they accept the first 1,000. And after they're said to other, like, you can't get another mm. things like uh, political science or something different than law. And I wanted to be a lawyer to study law. And I, I, I decided to 
study in Lebanon. Uh, yeah, and I started 2009 until 2012. It was a really nice time, and I was all uh, weekend or like uh, holidays, something. Going and back to from Lebanon to visit my family in Syria, I didn't feel it like outside because it's one hour get from Syria to Lebanon. Oh, okay, that's interesting. And you would just travel back and forth. Yeah, and I don't need a visa, I don't need anything. And it was like nice, I liked Lebanon. Until 2011, it's starting revolution, the revolution starting in mm. Syria. And yeah, people start to go outside and the government start to attack them. Mm. And slowly, slowly, the Syria changing. 2012, I think, started to change from revolution to war. Mm. Yeah, and this war came to us. Mm. Before started in south of Syria, on middle, on north. In Damascus was fine. On between Lebanon and Damascus, they have borders very close. It was fine also, didn't get any... So your family was living in Damascus? Yeah. Okay. And and in that time, from 2011-2012, it was fine. I can go and back. And I went to visit my family the last time, 2012, in August. This is the last time I visit Syria. And then what happened? One day, the revolution arrived to when I leave, the point between the city and the out city. And this time it was very, very, very big attack. So there was attack near your house. Yeah, exactly. There was a bomb explosion. Exactly. And that time just we ran away from our house. We went to the... You went underground? Underground, the building. Was anybody in your family hurt? No, no. This is... So you guys survived the attack? No one had anything, just we went down. We were waiting until this attack finished. And after, say, six hours, Hmm. just we decided to go outside from the underground to get a car, a taxi and we went to the border between Syria and Lebanon. So you left Syria that day? Yeah, we went outside with our shoes, just Mm. like with flip-flop, I don't know. So you just fled to Lebanon with your family? exactly. Was anybody from your family left behind or everyone left for Lebanon? No, no, just me and my mother and my sisters. So then what happened in Lebanon once you guys moved there, you moved with your family, your mother and your sister? Uh, what what was the situation like in Lebanon, and why why did you have to? Why were you forced to leave Lebanon and and come to Germany? No, this is uh, like I went to Lebanon with my family. We thought like just this attack or something will finish fast. We stayed there for two months. Then war broke. Yeah, it's all in, in hmm. Damascus. And that time, when I went in my university, it's it had a lot of fighting between students, that students like Bashar al-Assad or people hate Bashar al-Assad. And this was happening in Lebanon? Yeah, because Lebanon, the politics of Lebanon is really uh, connected with Damascus, with Syria. Mm. You know Hezbollah? Yeah. <coughs> He's a very, very, very uh, Bashar al-Assad friend. Right. And they live in Lebanon and exactly in Beirut. And uh, also the part that hate Bashar Assad was also like 
تيار المستقبل فرصنا and sometimes like you feel the situation between Sunnah and Shia starting in Lebanon. So there was some like uh, tension or sectarian tension between Sunnis and Shias as well. Yeah. And then Hezbollah is more aligned with uh, Bashar al-Assad yeah, exactly. um, in, in Syria. Yeah. So that was the situation in Lebanon. So you yeah. really didn't run away from war, you were still part of it, even being in Lebanon. Yeah, exactly. It's still scared, make me scared. Still like, okay, I am now, I finished the third years in law. And I had just two semesters and I finished study. And in that time, I didn't know what I should do. Should stay two semesters. Mm. And something will happen in this country and I have to run away or I have to see like, just like in camp or heim or something like that. And at that time, 2012, in Aleppo, there was like a group from Hezbollah, from Shia, visiting Aleppo. They're saved, but there was, they were soldiers. They went to Aleppo to attack a mm. revolution. And revolution just catch them and put them in the jail. And they say these were people, they're saying they're going to pray, but they were all younger and we think these are uh, soldiers. Mm. But just uh, want to be like dressing like a mm. normal. So they were basically Hezbollah, they were like soldiers who went to uh, Aleppo to squash the revolution. In, yeah. in Syria. Exactly. That's what was happening. Yeah. And um, Sire, also you um, evaded military service in Syria. So that was another concern you had because you felt Hezbollah, which is a political party in Lebanon, was collaborating with military in Syria to basically attack those who were uh, anti-Assad. And you, are, you were anti-Assad, you are anti-Assad, so you were scared for your life because you thought that somebody in Lebanon would attack you. Yeah, yeah, they, they had these things because their Hezbollah was very angry in Lebanon and they catch around 20 young Syrians. And there, three of them was my, uh, my friends in university. Oh, so you were scared for your life, basically? Yeah, because I was like, if you walk in the street, they just put like... Checkpoints for... Checkpoint, exactly. And, okay, you are, see, come with us. And they oh. have to take your ID and they check in the system because the same system in Syria, if they will look if my name, they need, they want me in the Syria army or, you know, this like, my name on the list yeah. for Assad. And my name is, wasn't there, but it's still like, they take some youngs and they say to revolution, say, okay, you give us back this soldier, yeah. we give you these people, oh. the Syrian oh. youngs. And they just like put the pressure on the revolution more. more. In TV, on social media. Right. You say the people look, if there doesn't, give us these people, because they say not soldier, they say like a normal Lebanese visiting. Okay, you have a... Tourist visa, yeah. Yeah, visa. Oh, we have also Syrian tourist visa. You take them, we take them. Hmm. You give us back, we give you this back, these people back. And that time my mother also was very scared for, for... For your life. For my life, and I was also active a little bit for against uh, government, yeah. And she just decided to tell me, please, uh, move to Egypt. 
So then you moved to Egypt. Yeah, exactly. At this point, I moved. Did you finish your studies in Lebanon when you moved to Egypt, or no. did you continue your studies? I in continued Egypt? in Egypt. Oh, you did. Yeah. And so, what was life like in Egypt otherwise? Like, so you feel like a little bit outside from this uh, conflict hmm. in Lebanon or in Syria, or a little bit far from that. And time I went there, 2012 September. It's, I remember like in that time was uh, Sisi, uh, Morsi, sorry, mm. the president. Mm. And just he's, he was a really great person, president, and he helped Syria a lot. And he said the Syrian is the same from Egypt. Also, oh, Syrians, they, like, he was very receptive to having Syrians in his country. Yeah, the similar. If they need any document, how the Egyptian is a Syrian. Mm. So what happened in Egypt that forced you to flee? Yeah, that time I finished my university mm. and just I just wait to get my certificate. What happened that? I was searching for a job and the Egyptians say you have to go back to Syria and you get the lawyer ID from Syrian lawyer? Oh, so Syrian Lawyers Association. Exactly. I have to be a Syrian lawyer and an Arabic lawyer. Okay, but you couldn't go back because you were scared for your <clears throat> life. Yeah, this is what was making me really sad and angry. And say, hey, come on. You know what's happening in my country? I say, yeah, I'm so sorry for what's happened. But, you know, you study law and you know the law. We cannot do anything for you. Did you feel betrayed when they said that? Like, was yeah. it hurtful? Like, A lot. Because it was, I went there with my Egyptian friend mm. and he got the ID and he registered there. And for me, it said, no, I said, come on, we study the same law. And just gave some chance for me. Yeah, help me out, yeah. yeah. I think if uh, Morsi was there, then this would not I will got it. It's different. Now when Sisi came and said, no, Syria is not like Egyptian. We mm. have to be like any normal tourist, you know, any normal coming from outside. So the whole policy directive changed, basically, and they exactly, started treating yeah. Syrians exactly. like outsiders. Yeah. And so then what happened? Now you could not practice law in Egypt. You couldn't go back to Syria. I right. cannot go to the, like a court, or, but I can do many things of law. So did you do that? Did you start working with an NGO then? And I said, okay, let me search more. And for one day, I just was visiting a friend, and all the way, just when he stole my passport. Oh, somebody stole your passport? Yeah, I don't know, I just was in the metro. So now you don't have a passport. You're Syria. in Egypt, uh, you don't have your Syrian passport. Yeah. You can't go back to Syria to get no. a passport. Did you go to Syrian embassy yeah. in Egypt and ask them for a passport? Yeah, So I what did. did they say? I went to the embassy and they say, hey, hello, I lost my passport. And, and just he checked on the laptop and he say, Hey, Sai, you have been for two years, didn't say you couldn't go to the army. And I say, yes, but I was studying. I say, yes, you're studying. You come here to the university, to the embassy, and just you say to us that you are studying here. And after we send to the, the office of Syrian army, like say just, he couldn't come now this year. So they were basically forcing you to go back to join army? Yeah, it's just, yes, exactly. After this, it's before you say, ask me why you didn't that, you didn't that, I say, okay, because I don't have anyone in Syria to send this document. 
and also it's very expensive because you want for me to pay 100 euros just for your stamp. And after, I will send this to Syria. It will cost a lot of money. And after, my family have to get this document and they have to move in Syria, in Damascus. It's a little bit dangerous. Hmm. I don't want to give them the risk. Hmm. Sorry, I, don't want, I didn't do it because of that. So you didn't want to risk your family's life um, and you didn't have the money and now you don't have the passport. So you were just stuck in Egypt uh, with no passport, no way to get a passport. Yeah, there's a point. I went back to the embassy and said, what should I do now? And they say, we cannot give you a, a passport. We give you just a document that you can pass to Syria. And in Syria, you get this passport. And he said, but if you go there, I will be in the army. Mm -hmm. Say, yes, sure, you have to be in the army. We need now soldiers. We need you in, this, in the so army. So they really wanted you to be in the army? Yeah. That and he said, I don't want. And he was really mad for me. And he said, we will not give you anything. I said, OK, and I went to the police. And I gave the police the document. He said, sorry, we cannot help you. Without visa, you are not legal. legal. So they would deport you? Yeah. And that, this must be devastating for you. You're like stuck in a place with no options at all. And then what, what did you do next? He said, you have one month to stay in our country. If after one month, police catch you, stopped you, you don't have anything, we sent you back. I said, yes, okay, thank you. And I went to my home and I started to stay around six months. I didn't go outside. I really was so scared, like to go outside. The time, the second, start the second revolution. The, uh, the revolution from Akhwan Muslimin, they doesn't want Sisi. And government start to say that Syrian help Akhwan Muslimin, the oh. Islamic party. So there was political unrest in Egypt. Yeah. And, and the Sisi government, Sisi government was blaming Syrians for cooperating with or helping the, the opposition party. So basically, your life was in jeopardy in Egypt as well, and you couldn't go back to Syria. Yeah, exactly. I hear some stories that two Syrians was going to the supermarket. And this was in Egypt? Yeah, in, in, in Al-Skandaria hmm. when I was leaving. Like he went to the supermarket to buy some stuff. In the time was the revolution go outside, mm -hmm. just walking in the street, say we don't want Sisi, he's a bad person, we should mercy back on this situation. And it was some attacks from police, pushing people, and he stayed in the supermarket sitting, waiting for finished. And just the police went inside the supermarket, catch him. He said, where are you from? He said, Syrian. And after, we didn't know, three months, he was in the jail. And yeah, why? Because there's a report that he was supporting Akhwan Muslim, Islamic but, party. But he wasn't really supporting them. This was just an accusation. No. And this was how they were like capturing Syrians. Yeah, exactly, because he's a really nice person and we know them. He, he doesn't like politics. So he was not political at all. Exactly. And yet he was captured. Yeah, and he has two children, and he will not take risks. So what what was happening at the time? It was. It seems to me that it was pretty clear that you couldn't live in Egypt anymore. So you had to flee Egypt somehow. Yeah, I couldn't go outside. I just thinking with myself, okay, what well, the next now? What I have to do? What I have to do? Hmm. And just like was some crying, depressed. Like, when I finished university, I would like to start practice or going in my life, and I cannot go anywhere. Like, this is the same jail. 
and after like I decide to move from Egypt to Italy and that time just like went to many cafe and I see Syrians Egyptian sitting if I hear some stories about fleeing money something like I just go to them and say hello uh, also interested and fleeing. Yeah, and flee to... And this was like by boat? Yeah, by boat. And this time you cannot trust anyone, but because you need... You didn't have any other option. Options. It, to, except to trust this one person who could yeah. help you flee. Yeah, exactly. And just like I decide to say, okay, what do you want from this trip? I say, it costs $2,300. Mm. We decide. We put the money with one person, that you trust, I trust, and it's okay. And I find one person, he's uh, also best friend for me. I bought the money with him. And we say when I arrive to Italy that he can just, I call him and he give him the money. If not, and he can send the money to my family. Okay, so <laughs> you were going to ask a friend to transfer their money once you arrived in Italy? Yeah. Okay, so then what happened? And we decide, yeah, yeah, and say, just wait for me a call and prepare the money and be ready for the stuff, like what you need in the ocean, like, you know, some food, some uh, clothes, or just be ready for that. But he said, we don't know what time, what day. Just call and you have to be downstairs. And I said, okay. I prepare all my things, the money, backpack and jacket for the water. I got with me honey, medicine, like, but just small things. Because uh, when I ask some friends, what did you got with you when you went on the ocean? He say, don't bring a lot of things because sometimes you have to swim. Yeah. Yeah, and that moment I just decided to bring like just one honey because I need power and uh, like dates. Yeah, dates, oh. Some water, uh, uno playing card. Mm. It's like my photos from my family. The first... Uh, first aid. Yeah, and after like I got all the things in one bag, I decided to waiting for him. Until one day he called me. I just went down, said my friend goodbye, and he put me in a really small car. It was 10 o'clock evening, and just we started a trip, I don't know where, and we have to change to the small minibus. And we were five persons. One woman, one mother was her child. And also it was uh, one person was his wife. Hmm. And so when you arrived there, how many people were on that boat? First, you cannot say boat because we went to farm. Hmm. Yeah, it was 12 o'clock morning now. And after this came very big car, we put us in the car. Hmm. It was a lot, I don't know how many. And after we arrived at the beach, it's just like a cold ass one dude. And we were like around 100 person, 30 here, 30 in the middle, 30 in the left. So there was basically 30 in each boat. Yeah, and he just said, now, go. He said, now you walk in the water and you have to climbing to the second boat. You couldn't say no. Because you didn't have any other option. No options, just you have to go. And after we put the children on our shoulder, and we start walking until the water was around my neck. Mm. So we put the children in this really small boat, and after we climb, 
mm. on. He said, everyone have to sit down. And then Seblisis was like really mavi and he was like leading because he have to be really strong because of most of people doesn't speak Arabic or so difficult to speak Arabic. So this person you who was leading, he was one of the people who was, who was fleeing? No. They are mafia. Okay, that was mafia. Yeah, they went like a captain and one driver and one mechanic mm. and two to control us and two was uh, one he cook and one uh, I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, it was around eight person. And after he said to us, we are going now. You have to be really uh, not stand up, not walking. Mm -hmm. And the police, if they will see more than eight person, they will stop us and say, okay, why these people with you? We understand, we just like we leak down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he drove the boat. It's like fisher boat, if mm -hmm. you know. Mm. The boat was moving mm. right and left, and we were scared to follow down. Mm. We, it's very dark. It was you can you couldn't see each other also. So how many days were you on the boat? It was around ten days. Wow. Yeah, it was a really long trip. When first time was have the first meeting with him, and I asked him how many days it will take the trip, and he said around five days not more and we say okay and uh, on the trip it was different so then you after 10 days you arrive in sicily yeah in uh, Syracuse. okay and then what happened yeah in Syracuse, we arrived there and the italian yeah. navy helped us to arrive to the land the okay. island and after yeah we stayed there for one day and uh, we went in the camp. After one day in the camp, we decided with my friend to also flee or run away from the camp to Germany. So in the camp, when did you apply for asylum? For me, it was okay. Any country, I don't care. Mm. Just like I want to be safe. Mm. But some friend there told me I should to come to Germany or Sweden or Holland or some of these three countries. Because in Italy, it doesn't support refugees there, mm. first. The second, they doesn't give you any, any document. They let you stay there and they like to feel like uh, you want to move. And this you, was around what time? Like what, what year it was It was 2000, in the end of 2014. And when you arrived in Germany, what was it like? And after I stayed in Italy for one month, I found the calm, I just flee, uh, ran away to my friend Sarah. I stayed with her family for one month because I was very sick. I wanted to come to Germany, but in Germany was closing the border. And from France also, like, because they say we, is, we have to wait for one month and after they will decide to accept refugees or not, or we have to stay in Italy and like now in uh, Greece. My friend Sarah, she said to me, okay, I know it will be so difficult for you. And she said, because you cannot speak the language, you don't know anything, we can't accompany you. Accompany you. But I was very scared and to take shit risk mm. with me. She said, don't worry, we love you a lot. And So your friend helped you out. She put her life in exactly. at risk to help you out. Like two best, my friend Sarah and Jakub, they accompanied me throwing the borders 
until like I can reach freedom. Me, it was really like touching most of my heart a lot. And in this time, I was really feel safe the most all my trip. Mm. You sitting like say, why we, we, we have to take this risk? Everyone have a different story. Like I, I meet some rich people. They say, yeah, but we lost everything. The war didn't let us to take anything. Some people left everything at home, run away. In the end, like we say, we have to forget the past. We are safe now. You are safe, yeah. yeah. When I arrived here, I didn't have any clothes. I'm just walking in the street with woman clothes. When I arrived to the camp, I just like, I want to take a shower, but, and I didn't want to take my clothes back. And I got the shower, and my clothes was very dirty. I feel I smelled like a fish and I just went out naked. And people were shouting at me and angry and I didn't care. And just say, hey, if you don't like that, just give me a clothes. Yeah. And yeah, and after like one woman, she said, you're not allowed to go in the room like this, but I have some clothes for you. So you wore those? And she gave me her clothes. Underway and short from her. And I don't know, this T-shirt was, was like lined from me, mm. I don't know. I didn't care, I said, yeah, I accept everything. And after I, I have to run away from the camp, and just I'm walking in, the, in Sicilia, walking like with a woman clothes. People laughing. Pointing at point you. Pointing yeah. at me. But at the same time, I didn't care. Oh. I really didn't care. I was smiling, happy. I'm... So we take these things like everybody who hasn't been through the ordeal that you've been through, they take these things for granted, right? Freedom, yeah. basic necessity. So Tyre, now you're in Germany, you fled here and then you applied for political asylum and you have been granted asylum Yeah, now. exactly. So what is it, what is your life like in Germany? Yeah, now it's really better than before. I'm really happy because I choose this country. They really get a lot of support. And the difficult things here is the language. The German language is a little bit difficult. So, uh, do you know how to speak German? Yeah, I do. Oh, you do? But still, like, if I want to be as a lawyer, and I need the academic law language, and this is really difficult. But are you, are you planning to go back to school and do law here? I'm doing a school now. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, that's I'm amazing. Doing now so are you, are you studying law? Yeah. Oh, wow, wonderful. Not, not about not studying now, I study the language law, like mm. the lawyer language. And do you work? Yeah, I do. I do working in a German lawyer academy. Oh, wow. I'm just like as a like consultant things. Right. And things. what about your family? They are in Lebanon? Everywhere. Oh, they're you everywhere. Say, yeah. We, I have a really big family. I have six brothers and two sisters. And they're all over? Yeah, some in Saudi Arabia, in Lebanon. Now one brother, he back to Syria. And uh, one brother, he in Germany. Are you scared for your brother's life who is in Syria? I cannot say like that scared, but because now Damascus, he's living in Damascus, and mm. Damascus is not that like before. Mm. But still, like the life is very, very difficult for him. No benzene, no electricity. Yeah, he's just like... It's really sad there, on so the place. what do you want to say to those people who say that we don't want more refugees and who have this negative view of refugees? What would you like to say to them? I don't know what I should tell you, but 
you feel like really sad when you want to tell the people to accept you, you know? Like, you know, you are, in the end, you are a human. And you were forced out. It wasn't a choice for you. And you were forced into leading a life that you did not choose. Do you ever think that you will one day go back to Syria? I would love to back to Syria if Syria going back. But I don't want to go back when Bashar Assad is still there. Right. I don't want to go back when his party and his militia still control us. Like, we mm. can't talk. We feel like freedom. In uh, Germany? In Germany, you feel freedom. You can't talk what mm. you want. Before we end our interview, um, I would like to understand what is the hardest thing about being a refugee? Like, you feel like really heavy in this country sometimes. Like, in what ways? Like, people they ask me many times here, did you come from Syria to here to get just 400 euros from the government every month? And I have all the time to accept. You have to explain saying, yourself again and again. Yeah, no, 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 no. And I really, after like, I get really depressed. The first year, and after I say, okay, I don't care anymore. Mm. There have a lot of things to to understand now why we are here. And you don't know what you have to do in the future. If you will stay mm. here or you want to go to, to your country, mm. you feel like only lonely here in, in this country. I really feel like I miss my family, I miss mm. my mother, like I didn't see my brother for 10 years, my mother for seven years from wow. after like 2012. Mm. Yeah, and I cannot move, like, okay, I can't travel in EU, but the idea is you're my mother in, in Syria, my sister in Lebanon, my brother in Syria. If I want to, to visit them in Lebanon, I couldn't. Mm. In Saudi Arabia, I cannot. I tried to, to, one brother, he went to Turkey, I tried to get a visa to Turkey, they didn't accept me. I want to go to Tunis, they didn't accept me. So I, now that you have you've been granted asylum, why is it difficult to get visa for other countries? Yeah, this is the idea, I don't know why. I, I, when I was in the Turkish embassy, they asked them why he didn't give me a visa. And they said, we cannot say. When I asked the Tunisian embassy, they didn't told me that, but I think they're the scared of serious situation. Hmm. This has been such an incredible interview. I've interviewed many on this show, and this is such an incredible story. Thank you for sharing this story, and I'm sure it's not easy for you reliving those moments. And, and I hope your story can help listeners better understand refugee perspective. And we wish you best of luck for your future endeavors in Germany now that you're safe. And hopefully, we hope that one day soon you can see your mother and your siblings. And thank you so much. Thank you. Ah, thank you very much for you. Hear my story. I'm so sorry for my language. I couldn't like oh, explain I mean, a lot you, you, I think about you're my doing feelings. Really well, and I would also like to thank um, all the listeners for supporting my show. Please stay tuned for the next episode when we bring you another inspiring story. And in the meantime, stay connected. Mm -hmm.